We're going to be reading and unpacking Colossians chapter 1 this evening <clears throat> with a few supporting verses. I've just been loving Colossians. In front, in the, a learner said this, there's a card in front of you. It's a connection card. And so those are going to be needed because I've really, the pastoral staff, the staff, we want to hear back from you at the end of service. We want to hear how, how you want to take your step of faith, your journey with Jesus to the next step and how we can support that. And so tonight, as I, I go through the breakdown of a few of the passages, really, I'm going to break down some passages, but I'm just going to ask a lot of questions. Because one of the things we've been going through as we've been going through this series of kingdom identity is what are you hearing from God? I, I don't want to tell you what you're hearing from God. I want you to go back to sweet Jesus, almighty God, and say, Father, what do you have for me? So tonight we're going to ask a lot of questions. Here's a quick review. We've been studying kingdom identity, right? Like I'm a, I'm a citizen of heaven, living on earth for a time. What does that mean? And we've been studying and understanding our kingdom identity and how it affects our time, our, time, our finances, Tonight, I'll wrap up the, uh, the series with, with gifting or that includes abilities and relationships and experiences. But again, a continual question is, that we're asking is, what are you hearing from God? I, I'd even ask, are you hearing from God? See, first, we have to align our hearts with his heart. And secondly, we have to put off and put on what is necessary to live a life of holiness or, or set apartness. Holiness is a big, fancy word, but really it's just you fall in love with Jesus, and the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you become different because you become like him. Here's a thread I want to pull out of Colossians, and, and Paul in Colossians would have us understand this, that a spirit of gratitude leads to a life of active worship. And then he builds this understanding for two whole chapters before he ever gets to the, the do's, quote unquote, the do's and do nots of Christian living, if you will. For two chapters, he's building this. A spirit of gratitude leads to a life of active worship. Why? Because God isn't looking for behavior modification. He's looking for transformed hearts. Hearts that look to, to, to him, hearts that look to keep him at the center. Hearts that fall in love with him and care for people. Here's some clarifying terms and how I define this. So, so gratitude, gratitude is a state of being. Because we're talking about kingdom identity, so it's who we are. Thankfulness, then, is an emotion or how we act. And so gratitude means expressing thankfulness by appreciating just daily life even when nothing is happening. Sometimes that bothers me because I like just excitement in life, and I'm like, what do you mean, like, what's going on? It gets boring. And God's like, relax. You need to set in to some resting. 
And so then active worship is the living out and engaging life in service. Okay, it's, it's not passive living. It's not passive faith. It's not a forgetful faith. It's being present in life to the glory of God. We have to be doing something with your faith. You can't get stagnant. See, I heard one, uh, a friend of mine once say that ministry or life is kind of like manna of the Old Testament. If you don't engage, you don't do something, it's going to rot. We cannot hoard it all. Got to be active. Colossians 1, 9 through 14 says this. For this reason, and just hear of like the action words, but for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen? And so here's what I've come to understand is that when we understand the gospel, the wonder of Jesus, the supremacy of Jesus, the, the saving grace of Jesus, his compassion, his love, then how we think, how we live, how we learn, work, and play is formed by a grateful life. And how we live out that gratitude is shown in thankfulness, active worship, active service, active participation and collaboration in the work that God, that Jesus is doing in the world to bring all of creation under his care. And so this is what I love about the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is that it renews the reason for why you and I were created. The gospel gives us a kingdom identity that says not only are we created with a purpose, but for a partnership and a collaboration with God. I'll say it a different way. Life, right, your life, my life is made for worship or, or service. It's made for doing and accomplishing a God-given plan that really we benefit from, but he receives the glory. All the glory. And so you were created to worship, meaning you were created to serve God in and by the design of who you are and only who you are. And I'm going to do my thing. You're going to do your thing to the glory of God. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For, for we are God's handiwork, and I'm biased to this here because really the Greek word is poema, which we get the word poem from. 
For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. you got to be doing something, y'all, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so, again, Jesus has given us time. We, we, we went through that, 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 that sermon already. God has given us finances. We, we went through that sermon already. But God has given us gifts and abilities and relationships. He's allowed you to, to have your experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of your quirks, all of my quirks, all of your insight, your understanding. I mean, your voice, your mind, your spirit, everything of who, about who you are is meant to glorify Jesus. And so you are created to be a story, and you are created to show the story of the work that he's doing in your life, because your life, your story is telling about himself, and he's asking you to show and tell others, to live a life that's worthy of the Lord and please him in any way. Here's question number one then. Has anyone ever told you that your story could tell others of God's wonder? Have you ever heard that before? Your story, who you are, your life, you were created wonderfully to tell of God's wonder. Now, this isn't uniquely about us or you alone, okay? So again, it's his story and his glory, but he is weaving your life into the lives of others as he creates this this tapestry of his goodness. Or as Paul says, many parts, unique parts, but one body with Christ as the head. And so this is why I love the scriptures, Right? I, I love holding a Bible in the Scripture because this is why that the, the Bible is a collective uh, collection of narratives. The goal is to help us understand the main character and the hero of the seen and the unseen world, Jesus, with all other supporting narratives and characters to point back to his story. And so you open up some stories and you read of individuals, right? And we read conversations and we read interactions, But then you can pull back a little bit. You read of tribes and people and groups and nations. But all of it is for the purpose of helping us understand that we are all created to worship or to serve to the glory of God's story. Because there's a larger narrative involved. So again, a person with the spirit of gratitude has internalized the gospel and understands the goodness of God leading to a life of active worship. It's thankfulness. We won't use our gifts and stories well if we do not have thankful hearts and grateful spirits. Active worship is using our gifts, abilities, and experiences for the glory of God. Gratitude helps us engage our gifts, abilities, and experiences properly. And so again, I'm going to ask a ton of questions, questions that I hope will lead you to sit with God, to self-evaluate, and ultimately serve others by telling of your story and sharing your presence to the glory of God. 
I want you, we want you to hear from God and ask him questions, questions about what to do with your story, what to do with your gifts and abilities. But before we get to doing, and again, I'm not going to tell you what to do or how to serve. I hope you understand, and I want you to understand the why, the heart change needed to be able to serve and engage your story for his glory. Because really, it's a dangerous thing to think that we are doing for God and even accomplishing uh, things without a renewed spirit and mind, without a grateful heart. Because we can end up knowing it all, and we can know how to use it all, and use all the tools and gifts, and still miss the heart of God in the process. That was Matthew 7 when we talked about Jesus literally said, you, we prophesied in your name, Lord? Didn't we heal people in your name? Were we going out? And he said, people are going to say, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say, I never knew you. Wait a minute, but these were people doing things. Because we miss God's heart in the process. Colossians chapter 1. Starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We'll stop right there. I love verse 2 of how he opens up. Paul says this, to the holy and faithful. So while I was studying this, I went back and I read all of Paul's letters and looked at the introductions. And what I found is that this pairing of words is only found here in Colossians. Holy and faithful. And so what I love is that this is a reminder of kingdom identity. So before Paul gets into anything else, he tells the Colossians and all Jesus followers and people today that we are holy, meaning we are set apart, meaning there is a designated plan and purpose for you to accomplish. 
But then he pairs that with faithfulness, right? He calls them faithful, meaning that they are doing and accomplishing what they were set apart to do. Word and deed. First Peter, talking about identity. First Peter 2.9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Or as Paul said, the kingdom of his son that he loves, right? And then we get James 122. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What? Do what it says. And so as chosen people, holy people, a new type of people, how we think, act, speak, engage others and the world around us should be done in a different and faithful way because we are called and created by God to do so. I'm going to try something new. Look at your neighbor. Look around. Look at your neighbor and say, you were made for God's glory. Like, like this, should be, this should be like routine talk to each other. How about this one? Your story is worth his glory. I talked about questions, right? Let me give you some questions. Questions I ask myself when I'm engaging life. Questions I ask myself about serving. Questions I ask about evaluating what I do. Not all the time. I don't sit there every day checking these off, okay? Like, but I built some of these things into my life over the past 15 years of ministry. Have I sat with God to hear and know his voice? How will this enhance this meaning what I'm about to engage in? How will this enhance what God has for me and refine how God made me? Is this good for me and my family? Do I have time for this new endeavor or can it wait? What will I sacrifice? Has the Holy Spirit spoken to my spirit and confirmed my promptings? Or am I just doing this own thing on my way and then saying, God, can you bless this? And so when we sit with our Father in his word, when we self-evaluate, when we understand that God's story engages who we are for his glory, we begin to see and hear and live differently. We become grateful and naturally thankful for that's, that's where God is working in us. And then we get to think, like, wow, we serve a God who hears us. We serve a God who knows us, who wants to live life with us. And a heart that's thankful recognizes that he has not forgotten us. Family, he has not forgotten you. He says, I love you. He says, I love you and I created you to do what only you can do. Would you like to know how? A spirit of gratitude leads to a heart of thankfulness. But Jesus must be the center of worship. And when we are confident in Christ and thankful, then we engage our stories, our abilities, and our gifts in a way that benefits others to the glory of God. I love, again, he continued in, in verses 3 through 8, like Paul's like, you did this and you did this and you did this. Paul's in jail. Paul's in jail writing this letter 
And he's hearing about what's happening at Colossae, what's happening with the believers, what's happening in the city. And a spirit of gratitude just comes on him, a spirit of gratitude, living in gratitude that leads to a heart of thankfulness. And so with a clear conscience, Paul says that he always thanks God for the saints because he is grateful for how the gospel is working in people's lives and through people's lives to the glory of God. See, the gospel is at work saving lives and transforming lives. On the one hand, right, God is doing the work of salvation because only he can do the work of salvation. But then on the other side, he's collaborating with us and partnering with us, and he's partnering with the Colossians to reach their communities and reach their city like only they can do. And he wants to do the same thing today in Somerville as it is in heaven. It's the beauty of the gospel. God would use me, God wants to partner with me to tell of his glory. That's a wonderful thing. Because God's working in you and God's removing things and God's chiseling away. And the Holy Spirit, the comforter, speaks a comforting word. And Jesus restores dignity and honor because he's that good. first question of the next set is, but have you made Jesus the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? You got to start there. How about this for everybody else? Have you ever thought that God wants to partner with you in the gospel? That's humbling. Did you ever think that God could use your uniqueness to reach others? Do you need to ask God to make the gospel of hope come alive again in your life? Would you ask him? Or how about this one in, in conversations that I get to have? Has, has pain and guilt and shame kept you from hearing and receiving the kindness of God? Don't let Satan steal that joy. Have you understood God's grace? Or what next step do you need to take to bear fruit and grow in gospel knowledge? Paul continues in verses 9 through 14. Forgive me. He goes through and he's just back to what's God doing. He's not, you know, he hasn't stopped praying. He, he wants us to grow in this. And so then he says that God has called us to live a life a worthy of him, worthy of Jesus. And so next set of questions. If, if God has a plan for us, then I hope that, that we're having a conversation with the God that has a plan for us, right? We call that prayer. So what's your prayer life look like? Or, or how could you refine your prayer life? And then in that, what needs to be put off of your life things that we're doing, how we're using our finances, how we're using our time, the sin that we're involved with, right? Anything that hinders. How are we removing all that so that we can see him better? Have you thought about your abilities and how they could enhance the church? Are you serving in and with 
your local church? Are you serving your community? How are you serving as a family? Have you asked someone to walk deeper with you in God's word? Discipleship, accountability, community groups. I, I, I want you to, I, guys, I want you to go back and have sweet time with your Lord and Savior. Have a conversation with Christ. Have you gotten to a place where maybe you have forgotten that Jesus loves you? Is it kind of just like, yeah, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I think sometimes we as Christians live like that. We walk around with stank faces. (laughs) And not the joy of living water residing within us. Have you forgotten that you are forgiven? Jesus forgives, and he is not holding anything over your head saying you got to figure it out. Jesus forgives, and you are free. Are you still trying to prove yourself to God? God loves you unconditionally. Are you... Are you trying to prove yourself to somebody else? When only God should be at the center of your lives? Do you know what your gifts are? I'll come back to this question. Let's move forward. Again, a spirit of gratitude leads to a heart of thankfulness, but Jesus must be at the center of worship. And when we are confident, in Christ and thankful, we engage others with our abilities, our gifts, in a way that benefits others to the glory of God. And so this is why, after thanking and praising God for the faith of the Colossians, and after reminding the Colossians of the hope that they have in Jesus, then Paul breaks out into this high theological concept of Jesus. He's telling the Colossians and us that that what we are doing and how we live is so much bigger than ourselves and that when a spirit of gratitude grips our hearts, we are reminded of the greatness of God and his gospel and it motivates us to share and proclaim and live an active life of worship. Jesus is the son of the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. That in everything he might have the supremacy. For verse 19, for God was pleased to have the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. High theology because we can't get away from the greatness and the bigness of God. So Jesus 
has created all things for himself to speak of his reign and rule because by himself he has redeemed all things and is reconciling all things to the glory of the Father. And so again, because he's that good, we benefit and God gets the glory. The expectation is that we recognize the beauty and the majesty and the greatness and the supremacy of our God and the hope of the gospel motivates us into a spirit of thankfulness. And then we can't help but just proclaim the goodness of God in word and deed to those around where we live, learn, work, and play. Next set of questions. Has your wonder of the gospel diminished? Have you been so focused on earthly things that you have forgotten the hope of heavenly treasures? When was the last time that you saw Jesus as supreme in your heart and mind? Or when was the last time you were in awe of God? I love how Paul ends verses 24 to 29, and he he just lays everything out. He lays everything out about what he's doing and and the hurt that he's in, right, and and what's happening in his life for for. Uh, for what God has called him. And he says this, he reminds us that he is living a life, he is living a life worthy of the Lord. He's serving, he's living, he's sharing his story. He's using his gifts for the benefit of others and the glory of God. And everything he has to offer is being used to build into others because he knows of the wonder of Jesus, the mystery of God, and what he needs to accomplish because only he can accomplish it. And then he's like, What do you have to do? You do it. You make Jesus the center of your life. You go have a conversation with the Father. Colossians 2, 6-7 says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, spilling over the cup, y'all, overflowing. I told you I'll get back to some spiritual gifts and gifting, all right? But here's, here's a couple points. One, spiritual gifts are given to people once they have been made new by the Spirit. So spiritual gifts are, are gifts given by the Holy Spirit when someone is saved, or as we say here, right, made Jesus, we, uh, have you made Jesus the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? So upon that regeneration of your spirit, the Holy Spirit, as he works in you, he wants to show you the gifting that he has for you so that you can live out the life that he has planned out for you. For the benefit of the church, for the benefit of others, to the glory of God. So spiritual gifts are not talents or natural abilities. You're not just going to be a basketball player and like, oh my goodness, I'm Steph Curry. Like, that doesn't work. They're not just that, that kind of, uh, uh, that's not how that works, right? They, but what they are is that they're, they're kinds of services that you are to use to fulfill the mission of the church here on earth. They're given to believers for the advancement of God's church, for uplifting others, for proclaiming the message of God's kingdom through action. But here's a warning. When sin has our heart, it will abuse and use your gift. 
When we are not centered on Jesus, sin will use your talents and your abilities, and it will manipulate all of your relationships and your friendships. This is why we are to put off and put on, put on righteousness, put off the sin. Put on righteousness, put off the sin, right? We remove everything that hinders this is why we set our hearts on heavenly things and our minds on Jesus so that we can see clearly, so we can think clearly, so we can do all things to the benefit of others and the glory of God. This is why I love that Jesus simplified the mission. Greatest commandment? He's like, I, I hear the whole Testament. I got this. Jesus took care of it. And then he says, let me simplify this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is Jesus, the one that God put the fullness of who he is in, right? This is the very God we serve saying this. A quick review, according to the Bible and the scriptures, about the gifts of the spirits. I am not unpacking these. Again, I'm not telling you what to do. We're not even going there. But the goal is to encourage you to sit with God, to ask questions, to self-evaluate, to discuss them with your friends and your community groups. Come talk to me. And then figure out how you can serve and live your life to the best of your abilities, to the best of your God-given purpose. But in Romans and 1 Corinthians, we get a list. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, discernment, speaking in tongues, understanding tongues. They're there. Again, we're not unpacking these. Take it. Lord Jesus, sweet Jesus, our King, what do you have for me? Because the spirit of gratitude leads to a life of active worship. Here's my final questions. And you didn't figure this out. It's in a handout that you all received, right? Am I giving myself to intentional times of prayer? Second one, am I committed to self-inward examination? Take some honesty. Do I find myself serving the poor and the marginalized? Am I connected to others in a mutually beneficial way? Am I growing in love? Where do I need to step in to practice my spiritual gifts? And then, how can I use my talents and spiritual gifts to benefit the local church? To benefit the global church. And do you know what your gifts are? Maybe you never asked that question. Maybe you haven't figured it out. We get to figure this out together. Connection card. We're going to move. We're going to take offering, right? Because we're going to give our tithes and offerings in worship. We're giving of our time. But in the, the, as the bucket goes around... I'm going to pray and stuff like that, but like, jot out. Tell me more about yourself. 
Ask, ask how we can help you take the next step in your faith. Maybe something stood out and you're like, I want to know more about this question. Let's sit with it. Take these questions. Go back to community groups. Have conversations with friends. But guess what? Make intentional time of prayer to first have a conversation with God about how you're supposed to engage. And then we can have conversations after you're building that spirit of gratitude and you want to be active in your worship. We can figure this out together. I love how Revelation 12 ends. We're like looking at the end of Revelation. I'll end here. But I love that as they're fighting Satan, fighting the beast, literally heaven, as the angel sits there and writes, it says that they overcame the beast. They overcame what was happening. They overcame their situations two ways. One, by the blood of the lamb. Amen and amen. Because only Jesus saves. But then there's an and. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Because how you live matters. The story you share about the story of Christ matters. You are ambassadors. You're ministers of reconciliation. How you walk, how you talk, how you represent, how you stand in front, right, and protect matters. Because you're representing Jesus who sacrificed and gave everything. A God who's gentle. A God that Romans 2.4 says, says that God's kindness is what leads to repentance. His kindness. You have a story to share. Does your story represent the story that Jesus wants to tell of himself by how he's working in your lives? We got your back, family. We got your back. Would you go to the Father and just say, hey, hey God, what do you have for me? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your continual faithfulness in our lives, even when we are not faithful. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness that leads to repentance. Thank you that, I, I mean, we just read in Revelation about, about how your blood overcomes and how the testimony helps us overcome. But then I think back to Genesis and one of the first acts of love before you even move to speak is that you clothe Adam and Eve in dignity and honor because that's love. And then you were willing to have a conversation about what happened. God, God, the, the world was shattered and broken in relationships, and you, did, you didn't even step off your throne and destroy everything to start over. You asked the question, Adam, where are you? Because you want to have a conversation. You want to figure this out together. It's the whole reason why Jesus came, so that so that we can have a seat at the table and commune with you. Father, work in our lives. Any angst, any pride, anything that hinders from showing your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, 
Jesus, when you speak of yourself in, 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 in Matthew, you literally say that you are gentle and lowly. Would we mirror the compassion that you had? Where we live, learn, work, and play. And thank you, Je- thank you, Jesus, that you would collaborate and want to partner with, with me. My goodness. You want to partner with us because you're that good. And then we can tell people, no, nah, it wasn't me. It was you, God. Thank you and thank you again. Father, may, may we be found faithful and obedient to what you unveil in our lives to us when we have those conversations. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.